Welcome to the Multitask. This is John. It's your boy Fadi. What's going on, guys? So, drama in the Republican caucus. MTG has been kicked out of Freedom Caucus. Well, they they voted her out. I don't know. I read somewhere where they said they've not yet communicated with her, but there she has been voted out. Whether that means she's been formally removed. But uh, what do, what do you th- you know? We've got a lot to talk about with threads and the, the the Biden cocaine. But I wanted to start with that. What was your thoughts on learning that MTG and them are, are having a falling out? Um, I don't. I, I said this to you, and I don't, I don't. I guess we it's confirmed by now. But when I said this to you, it was kind of like a secret amongst the members. But um, I'm a little surprised because. She is the biggest voice, right? It's one of those things where she, I think she has the biggest name and she probably gets the biggest amount of attention, but she's also the one that brings the most negative attention. And I don't know if this has to do with the Bobert kind of situation as well, but Bobert, I think, is less popular amongst Republicans than MTG is. At least that's what it appears like on the outside looking in. Um, but I will say this, they're not going to... I'm not worried about what happens while they're in power. My real interesting, what I think is going to be interesting is if we take back the house in 24 and the dust settles, like does McCarthy stay around? Does he take his next big paycheck and go on some board somewhere? Does it all fall apart or do they stick together? It just doesn't seem like they'll stick together. So that's when I think stuff will really hit the fan is if they lose power. Cause right now they have power and they don't want to mess that up. That's why people like George Santos are still around. But if they lose power, do they start eating each other alive, hypothetically speaking? That's that's what I'm interested in the most. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree with that. Um, you know, I think here's the thing. Um, what is fascinating is the Freedom Caucus has always been considered to be rebels. They've always considered to be, you know, um, I guess they would be the, the DSA, our revolution folks of of the right so to speak and i'm not sure if you saw uh Bree Bree, you know whatever and Brianna joy gray and the, the lefties were really upset when aoc came out this weekend and endorsed biden early but the when you look at the mtg she's very tight with the speaker um and she's still you know tight with the president and now i definitely think the freedom caucus is very loyal to the president they're not very loyal to the speaker is it really a backlash? Is she, you know, is she getting the Queen Brown Nose Award or something? You know, I, I, I'd be really fascinated to know if that's driving. You know, they, well, somebody said, you know, they were really offended that she called uh, Bobert the B word, you know, on the floor, and you know, I, you know, are you kidding me? The, you know, the most politically incorrect, you know, if that's not the most snowflakeiest thing I've ever seen. But um, look, it's 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 that dissension. Of course, you know the media will get you to dims and disarray. I'm not sure if you saw uh, one of the things I called out this week on social media was the Jonathan Martin piece, uh, where they were talking about how people would have preferred Gretchen Whitmer as vice president. Look, hey, Jonathan Martin and everybody else who would prefer Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, hey, look, first of all, we are big fans of Big Gretch, but I will not, I will not, I will not take people lifting her up to this MVP Harris. And that's that's the problem. And so I don't like these false arguments. But that being said, it's funny that the press is kind of like trying to still create problems 
on the left when there's legitimate problems on the right. Yeah, it goes back to the horse race that we talk about with the false equivalency of Biden and Trump, right? They need to put them on the same playing field. They're clearly in different ball games, but John, what the Democrats have accomplished, what the Republicans are doing is a complete mess, right? I will say that I think Fox News is even calling it out, right? We saw that week where they were calling out the fact that Jim Jordan hasn't accomplished anything. The Hunter Biden thing didn't go anywhere. The Fauci thing didn't go anywhere. The Twitter thing didn't go anywhere. Um, it's pretty obvious that the media needs to kind of manufacture this drama on the left. But even AOC, which who gets a lot of crap, came out and was like, no, Biden's the right choice. Uh, I'm not sure she would have did that five years ago. I'm not sure she would have did that when she first got into office. And I think maybe it just comes with wisdom, experience. Maybe um, she understands the game a little bit better. But we are it, – it, it's weird, John. When we started this podcast, Republicans were so lock in step with each other. And it felt like Democrats are all over the place. And we've had basically three years of being locked step. And we've outmaneuvered the Republicans in every single place. And the Republicans are really the ones who haven't gotten it together, right? Um, their nominee is a twice indicted, probably three times indicted um, person who's twice impeached, who lost three elections in a row and tried to kill his own vice president. And that's who they're trying to defend. I don't know what they think is going to happen, but it's not going to be well. And I think the media has to, I don't want to, we talk about this all the time, but the media has to talk about that honestly. Like, that's why I'm really loving the Bidenomics. It's stuck, John. I don't know if you noticed that. It's stuck, and the media is starting to use it, and Fox News is starting to talk about it. So kudos to the Biden team because that's been effective. Um, I'm going to find it. I'm going to give – I don't know what to say, but I'm, I'm going to be optimistic in the media in covering the 2024 election because even Republicans believe that Trump got a pass in 2016. He wasn't aggressively – vetted he wasn't aggressively attacked the way he probably will be in 24 granted it's a little bit different right um hillary was a villain to the media and biden isn't that that's never stuck on him right john isn't it crazy to think of the cocaine the hunter biden the president's son has caught a plea deal and settled a court case in a different presidency that would be a completely big deal and it kind of just was like, all right, this happened and it's all right. And the media, it's not that they didn't talk about it, but it's just not a big deal. Do you see a little bit of shift in the media or or, or just maybe pockets of it, but overall still room for improvement? I don't see a shift in the media as much as I see a more informed uh, audience out there who is willing to not freak out over the lightest thing. You know, the, these are, you know, the... A lot of reporters who were of the but her emails crowd are really looking foolish right now. Um, but they're still playing the but her emails type of games with Biden. Um, you know, uh, you had another uh, great jobs report that came out. It was funny because I think the private sector data was much stronger than the federal data uh, that came out. But they were both positive. And, you know, Biden's got another, it, you know, while it wasn't as strong as they had hoped, it was another record extension of that growth that, 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 you know, month to month growth that people have been seeing. And, 
every time the press, and I, you've heard me say this numerous times, and I'm going to say it again, every time the press sits there and hits us with the, you know, how come this is not resonating with the voters, it's because of the press. Biden has got lots of good news. And Biden is telling us good news. The Democrats are telling Biden's good news. But you and I both know if you and I were members of either the House or Senate and we went on CNN, the first thing they'd ask us about is, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, but the first thing they'd ask us about is the cocaine in the West Wing. And and isn't as bad for Biden. That's what the first thing they'd ask us about. And then as we try to pivot it back and bridge and block and bring it back to the economy and this accomplishment and that accomplishment and seniors are no longer paying more than $35 a month for insulin, that type of thing. They'd say, yeah, but what about the cocaine? Um, I think that the press is quickly losing faith with the public. Again, I want to caution that you and I are not these Trumpsters, you know, uh, you know, where, 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 where we, you know, scream up at CNN at rallies and things like that, because I do think a free press is important. I think press that reports on things that we don't necessarily want them to report on. I'm talking about legitimate things, you know, things that don't bode well for us. I think that's completely fair game. But I also feel that there's too much agenda setting in the media. And I think that agenda setting starts with, um, and you and I love polling, but the breathless reporting of polling, you know, uh, something will happen in, you know, the mor- on Monday morning, by Monday afternoon, they're polling it before most people, and, fr- and, and th- those polls are probably the first time a lot of people that are polling have even heard about a particular issue, right? Um, so, I mean, that that's where I am. I, you know, I, I would like the media to do better. I don't necessarily have faith that the media will do better. I'm having more faith in the American public not falling for the media bullshit. I, I think you're right on with your assessment. I think when the Hunter Biden story didn't really land, and even the cocaine story didn't really land, I think I have a lot of faith in the American people. Also, let's give credit to Joe Biden because he continues to say that. He says, I have faith in the American people to do the right thing. And they have done the right thing for the last three elections for the most part. We've really learned from Trump in 2016 and, and we haven't lost an election since. We'll see what happens in 24, obviously. But I agree with your assessment. I think the media has a job of trying to make their stories land. And they're just, it's it's a shift in, in the how we consume news, John. It's a shift on how, what goes viral, what story lands. People don't care. I think people don't care about, and maybe this is just a younger generation, but people care less about the scandals of what would be a scandal in the 90s, 80s um, of adultery or the fact that someone is gay or someone maybe like Hunter Biden had a drug problem and Biden talks about it. And that stuff, I think, would have been political suicide in the 80s, 90s. Maybe I'm wrong, right? But we always hear stories of the Kennedys and things that other politicians have tried to bury. And maybe it was Trump, right? Maybe Trump is the reason that we don't care about this stuff anymore. Because he and his wife and he's has a couple baby mamas and the drama and the racism and all of a sudden maybe somebody who has a son who's a, a drug addict, which is super relatable, right? A lot of Americans have a relative who um, is are addicts in some form or fashion. So maybe it just became less, maybe we're just less desensitized to it. I don't know. But 
I just think the, I think you're right. The American public cares less about those things and they're going to vote on what matters. Also, John, I don't know if you've picked up on it, but over the last six weeks, especially in Chicago, people are talking about the climate more than ever. Right. And people, I think, don't have time for the other stuff to say enough about this. We're literally killing the thing that we're living on and we're going to pay for it later. I don't care about anything other than that. And I think Democrats, we talked about it, right? We're a big tent party and we care about multiple different things. But I think we see the urgency and the American people have been showing up because of that. And I just don't think the media is able to shift it as much, right? I wonder about how, like Dean, right? And the Dean scream, that wouldn't, that wouldn't land today and the media wouldn't have um, the voice ahead. You could correct me if I'm wrong back then, but it seemed like the media had more to do with that than anything else. Uh, the cringe factor of it, but it just, I don't know if it'd be even be reported on today. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, it, it, it makes perfect sense. And it's one of those things where uh, folks just really, you know, we just, folks have to do better. The media needs to do better and everything else. So now let's move on to the cocaine. Um, so last weekend. <laughs> that's uh, the, that's the first time I've heard that. <laughs> right. So, so last weekend in the West Wing, uh, cocaine was found by the Secret Service. They confirmed it was cocaine. And the press is freaking out. They're obviously looking for a Biden connection, most likely a Hunter Biden connection. And first and foremost, um, let me just say something here where um, if, if you, anyone saw this past week, um, Kareem Jean-Pierre's takedown of the reporter from the New York Post who tried to bring up, you know, the Biden thing. Um, one, it's very unlikely that in where the cocaine was found, Hunter, because everyone wants to imply that it's Hunter, Hunter would have probably been in that area because Hunter would never be in these public areas, would never be in these executive areas. But more importantly, don't you think that um, Hunter Biden is not going to get searched? Any Biden member is not going to get searched. If they had cocaine on them, there would be no reason for them to ditch the cocaine, right? Um I mean, I, I know that the White House has dismissed the questions. This will they should, but if you were really the, the, just to be logical, and you know, first of all, there's no way that a Biden family member would be in these areas. Secondly, even if a Biden family member was in this area, there would really be no legitimate reason for that Biden family member to do anything to where they feel like they'd have to ditch the cocaine. Does that make any sense? Before we go further. Yeah. So, um, secondly, you know, it's one of those things where, unfortunately, uh, cocaine usage is very common amongst a lot of folks. And I would not be surprised if whoever, um, who, who, whoever had the cocaine, whoever was holding the cocaine was someone that belongs to a segment of our population that is asking for more. Could it be a member of the press? Could it be a tourist? You know, you asked if it was a right winger plant. I I think given the fact that you need to have a White House insider give you a tour, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a right wing plant. But um I bet you that I want them to find out who it was because I'm confident that it will not be embarrassing to the Biden family and or the Biden administration, it would probably be embarrassing to someone 
uh, who is who who might not be raising extinct themselves, but belongs to the same segment of our population that um, that is asking the questions. Your thoughts on that? Well, before I give you my thoughts, is there no cameras everywhere in the White House? I know you've been there, but is it not like heavily monitored in that way? Yeah. Oh, it's heavily monitored. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure there's a cubbyhole and I'm not sure, you know, no one, there's been a little bit of a, not a discrepancy, but I don't think anyone is really truly clear as to where they found it. So it could have been, you know, they get, they probably at most can isolate the 25 people who access that area, but I don't necessarily have confidence, you know, to where it was, right? But I don't. I but I bet you that they can't necessarily. You know, there's not cameras everywhere so much so that you could actually see someone taking it out of their pocket or their bag and sticking it. I bet you that is not necessary. But I bet you that they would have enough controls and enough footage to say, "Oh, the following people could still be suspects because they went into area whatever." To you know that that's my belief. That's not my strong i don't i'm not basing that on knowledge i'm basing that on common sense does that make sense yeah yeah i also think it might be maybe a security kind of risk to put out some sort of like i don't know maybe right it's a heavily guarded place so i don't think they're too worried but i also wonder if that's the case as well but i i don't know i think of this story in all different angles john you you brought up something important is that i, I don't know the percentage but a good percentage of americans either have used cocaine or use cocaine um so it doesn't make them unrelatable, you know what I mean? If it was the Hunter Biden, right? But here's another thing. Hunter Biden doesn't live there. Also, like you said, he wouldn't be searched. Also, John, I remember the days of Jenna Bush. I remember that Malia Obama going to festivals, smoking weed. Like, Secret Service members have seen things that even if it was Hunter Biden, I'm I'm pretty confident they wouldn't say anything, right? Like... Like, he dropped it. I don't know. Again, there's bad reporting on how it was found, where it was found. But if someone saw him drop it, hypothetically speaking, I'm I'm just in a position to think they wouldn't even say anything. Now, granted, there's some problems with the Secret Service, and we know a lot of them are right-leaning and that whole thing. And and I I don't want to be a cynic in that way. But I'm sure the Secret Service has caught presidents and presidents' kids doing things I've never heard of a, a, a president and his wife um, t- arguing. I've never heard uh, George Bush throwing things, right? Like, th- this stuff just doesn't come out if it was a family member. So that's why I'm pretty confident that it had nothing to do with the Bidens, right? And then, obviously, they weren't there, right? I think they were gone from Thursday on. So whatever. Um, it's pretty clear. I-, I think it was someone who just works there, a staffer or, like, a media person or like a secret service. John, how many times that you get caught red handed and you're like, I just found this and you're the good Samaritan, but it was really yours. Maybe the secret service was getting drug tested that day. And he tried to be dropping and said, look what I found. Right. There is so many plausible scenarios to me that I just have a hard time believing that. I also think Hunter's not a horrible person. I don't think if he, I don't think he would want to get his dad trouble in any single way. So Look, I'm happy that the story hasn't gone too far. I think it would, it, it could have gone further, but I think they fumbled. I, I don't know. Here's the problem with media, John. And we sent it to each other, right? It was reported that it was found 
on the part of the tour where people leave their bags. So then we all dismissed it as a tourist. But then it was later, no, it was found by the situation room where only classified or people who have kind of badges go to. So part of the part of the media's job is to not go to the paper unless you know the story. And part of it could have been spin, right? Someone could have part of the administration, part of the PR team who said, no, this was part, this was found here. And then later they would get caught up. So I don't know. I just think, I just don't think it's a big deal. And I'm glad that it hasn't really turned into a massive deal, but I will say this, John, I'm not saying they have fumbled it yet. The faster that they bury this, the better. They just can't have this continue to be a news cycle on Monday or Tuesday. Let's just end it. Whoever it is, throw it under the bus and let's get it over with. Yeah, well, I like I said, the best that they can do is they can isolate. Um, you know, it, it will be it will be really fascinating. And I want an answer, but it, but but a weird way. I also feel like, are we? Re- I mean, I know technically because it's a people's house, a taxpayer funded. You know, it's a it's a national security thing. But should we really even know? Should we really sit? How much? How many times has cocaine been in? And of course, you know, you and I. Uh, belong to a cohort on social media that definitely thinks that uh, Trump Jr. is is a is a big fiend. I still feel that I still feel that cocaine's going to have or foreign let's just say substance abuse. I still have a belief that substance abuse is going to, in the long run, undermine Trump Jr. more than will ever undermine uh, Hunter Biden. Partially because Hunter Biden comes from a loving family, um, but. Uh, you know, I agree with you that that it could be a used to be a short story, but I don't have faith in the press. Again, I have faith in the American public as to say, well, what it is, what it is, but I don't have faith in the press to not try to drag it out. Yeah, and I think uh, Biden doesn't have to address it in any way. Look, if he's on a debate stage with Trump, and Trump says brings this up. The simple response is, how about you take a drug test and I'll take a drug test? Because it's not just Trump Jr., but John, I think Trump Sr. as well definitely has things in his system. So, look, Republicans need a story, and I get it. And if this was the other way around, we would totally be um, taking advantage of it. But at the end of the day, I think this isn't going to drive voters one way or the other. I think this will be a non-story shortly. And... um yeah, I just think they've handled it fine so far. I just think it it could be better, but I think they've handled it fine so far. So it, it's a non-story for now. Uh, that's all I'll say. This is where I'll disagree with you just a tad bit, a tad bit. I don't agree with you that if it was the other side, uh, we would be on it with like a dog on a bone. Once I agree initially, yes, but once it kind of proven it proved to be fruitless, we would have backed off. Now is that? Is that a Republican advantage? Is that a Democratic disadvantage? Or it's it's more about our brand, right? Not even about brand, but it's more about what our priorities are. Once it got to the state that it is, or the stage that it is now, Democrats would have backed off because they would have seen that it was going nowhere. The Republicans aren't backing off. And sometimes that actually benefits them, at least with their base. Um so I guess the question I'd ask you is if the shoe were on the other foot and we were in the exact same space right now, do you think Dems would back off or what would be the pros cons of, of not backing off? I, my belief is that we should back off. If, if it were us, we we're at the point to where we should back off, but do you have a, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. 
Uh, my answer is two pronged because I think we would have stopped trying to get to the to the meat of stop trying to get to the root of it. But I think we would have been making jokes the entire time, and we would have just been making Dodd Junior memes the entire time. But the reason for that is, like Republicans want the press secretary to answer for this, and I don't think we would have wanted that. Like I think once once we figured out that it was a non-story, we would have just made jokes. But I will say there's something to the fact that we Democrats are in the benefit of the doubt. Joe Biden uh, earned the benefit of the doubt to realize that this is a non-story, then we should drop it. Don Jr. is pretty clearly, right? And then the family's all over there, right? They make fun of drug addicts, even though um, I guess what I'm saying is they, they didn't earn us to back off. We would make jokes until we felt sufficed, but Joe Biden has is a, is a decent human being and earned the right to say, all right, this is a non-story. Let's move on. Donald Trump, for us, hasn't earned that. So I, do I think that we would have wanted exposition, congressional hearings? No. But um, we would have had a good couple of days on Twitter, for sure. Oh, <laughs> or but, but, you know, this week, Congress is back in session. They've had two weeks off. And, you know, one, you know, something we talked about before, you know, the revisiting of uh, the uh, MTG getting kicked out of Freedom Caucus, but I would not be surprised to see House Republicans try to do some hearings and get further into this cocaine story. So one other thing that, you know, put on your planning desk hat, and this is the week. Um, it wasn't on your in show prep, and as rightfully probably should have been, but I'm about to, I'm going to drop something on you that you knew, but you know, like you know something and then you, it, leaves your mind so you forget about it this is a big week this is a big week you take one to take one to take one guess as to why the upcoming week is going to be a big week jack smith close july 11th go on july 11th is when funny willis gets her gets remember uh be gone be wild and this is when funny willis gets her grand jury back in so uh, I, I'm not sure, you know, uh, what, you know, what the, what the timeline is, you know, how quickly, um, but I believe that, I mean, I'm checking right now, I think it's July 11th that, I, I think, I think it's July 11th, yes, uh, 20 hours ago, Farley Wilson, uh, let's see, let's see, Georgia prosecutors, um, I want to say it's January 11th. Am I correct? Yeah, it's July 11th. Yeah, I mean, everybody keeps signaling that July is the key month there. Right, okay, so here, and this is from 11 Alive, which is a local station in uh, Georgia, in 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 the ATL. Uh, Though the grand jury could hear several cases, uh, District Attorney Fannie Willis recently said she plans to present evidence against Trump and his allies during the fourth term of the Fulton County Superior Court, which runs from July 11th to September 1st. Grand series selection aligns with a uh, presented timeline signaling the summer could be crucial uh, in the investigation of the former president and his allies. So July 11th would fall on Tuesday, I think, right? It's, it's Tuesday. So I don't know what the timeline is, if she still has to impanel the grand jury, how long it will take. But, um, and, you know, am I correct? Now, granted, they've not been, like, leaking, 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 but, you know, these local state 
grand juries usually are a little bit more leakier than we get from the Fed. So first of all, as we saw, Jack Smith is closing in on some stuff. Jack Smith is closing in on some stuff as it relates to January 6th, and there could be some things happening there, and we may have another indictment from him before the end of July. But I really want to know, is Barney Willis going to take from July 11th all the way to September 10th, or is, is things going to be popping? Uh, so what's your take on that? See, I told you it wasn't as quiet as a week as we thought, or at least looking backwards, but the week ahead is going to be big. Yeah, everybody's been hinting at July the entire time. I I was Googling as you were Googling, and it said somewhere between July and September. Um, uh, Low-key, John, and again, it's not under our control, and I'll take it any time, but I kind of want to have it close to September than July. But again, I'll take it any time for sure, because I think there's two more coming. I think Georgia and the fake electors. is Jack Smith's honing in on the fake electors specifically. And so... um, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that this week, but I don't know. Maybe everyone's still on holiday and everybody's still having this this kind of brain fog that once we get to Monday, we'll start talking about it a little bit more. But if that happens this week, then God bless America. It'll be a great, great time for that. <laughs> well, and, and but the other thing, though, too, that, that we have to think about is the whole balance issue that we talked about last week. Um, Hence the name of the show, Multitask. We need everybody to do their Trump uh, court docket updates for the week or up for the day. But then we also, and it's going to be, it's going to be on us. It's going to be on people in our position. Uh, it's going to be on us to continue to tell the story of what Democrats and Biden are doing right. Because, you know, again, I am still uncomfortable. I'm not uncomfortable with the attention that Trump's legal problems get, I'm uncomfortable to what gets sacrificed because we're focusing so much on Trump's legal problems. We have to talk about them. They need people, the American people need to be reminded about how messed up he is, but not at the expense of just legitimate stuff that the Democrats need to be working on. John, I want to pitch an idea to you, and I I, I want you, in your all your expertise, to tell me what you think of it. Do I think that Biden and Democrats and just everybody needs to be talking about the accomplishments more? Yes. But is it advantageous of us? And here's why Here's why I say this is because for four years, I think a big portion of this country voted for Biden because they were just sick of making politics a story every single day. And they missed the times of not having to know what the president is doing every second of the day. And Biden kind of returned that, right? I have people in my life who don't know what he's doing and don't want to know what he's doing. And granted, a lot of the bad stuff makes the media, not a lot of good stuff makes the media. But is there an advantage to looking at one house and the lights are off and metaphorically speaking, Biden is sleeping and nothing's going on. And then you look at your neighbors to the right and the house is on fire and you're just like, man, I really have shitty neighbors on the right. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, is it advantageous to them to always be in negative cycles and us to step back and kind of let that burn and then maybe just drop a little bit hints of, look what we accomplished a lot amongst the last four years. Do, do, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I get that we have to talk about the good things, and I do get that, and we should continuously talk about them. But there's something to say, like, 
I don't know what Biden is doing and Trump is getting indicted for the fourth time. That's still advantageous to me. Well, last week, and I don't ha- I never saw the article, but I, I heard about the article and I saw an excerpt on it about it on CNN. I heard about an article or a column in political last week where one of the political writers, editors was talking about how Joe Biden needs to have a, you know, a legitimate uh, primary, otherwise he'll lose the presidency. And I was offended by it, but I also think that the sentiment isn't lost. If you have a contested Republican primary, don't forget name ID, name ID, name ID. And because of the Trump indictments, because of the Trump legal problems, because of the Republican primary, um, there's going to be very little bandwidth for Democrats. If there was a contested, I'm, I'm thinking, I didn't read the article, but I'm thinking that the logic is if there was a contested Democratic primary, um, that would help Joe Biden because, one, he would have to go toe-to-toe and be in punching shape. I don't, look, I think that's kind of bullshit because you and I both know for years the party in power when the president in power and the last Democratic president, the last Democratic president to have a legitimate primary opponent was Jimmy Carter. And that legitimate primary opponent was Ted Kennedy. And what happened? Uh, Carter beat him, then he lost to Reagan. Now, granted, there may be some other things. I don't think, and but this argument that Biden needs a... a, a I think the argument that Biden needs a primary opponent, a legitimate primary opponent, is BS. But I also think that some of the motivation for making that argument should not be ignored, if that makes any sense. Not ignored in what way? That we've got to find ways to be relevant. I, I disagree with the only path to keep Biden in the news, to get him in fighting shape, is a primary opponent. Because... Obama never had primary opponents. You know, you, you might be able to say, well, Trump didn't really, he may have lost because he didn't have a primary opponent, whatever. I don't believe that Biden needs a primary opponent to be, to overcome some of the concerns. I think the concerns are, or and I haven't read the piece, but I'm, I'm making assumptions, but I think the concerns that there won't be enough attention, he won't be in fighting shape, they're not easily... I don't think we should easily dismiss them. I just don't think that having a primary opponent is the only means to that end, is what I'm saying. I see what you're saying. Um, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think the motivation for articles like that is about keeping Biden in shape, like having a sparring partner before he has to go fight uh, 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 in front of the big lights. I think the motivation behind that is, is boredom is wanting clickbait it's 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 like in the middle of july when espn is talking about whether lebron james will make a good tight end they have nothing to talk about and football is popular and lebron james popular so let's put them together that's what i think this is um anybody who wants biden to go through a primary is an idiot is anti-democratic wants the country to fail and the reason i say that is because the biggest advantage a president has is the incumbency. And it's very, very rare for an incumbent president to lose. I think only three of them have, one of them being the former guy, right? And George H.W. Bush, and I forgot the first one. It was uh, a long Carter. time ago. Carter. So, Car- Car- yeah. It was Jimmy Carter. 
Yeah. So it becomes, it becomes you, you give up your biggest leverage, which is the incumbency and inherent kind of advantage that comes with. Um, I want to ask you, John, do you think it's just that? Like, here's why I asked that is because I remember vividly they, they told Trump to replace Pence, right? At that time, it was like MTG and it was like other kind of popular Republicans. I think Hogan from Baltimore or Maryland, maybe something like that, right? And then I remember they thought Barack should replace Biden, but he was too old and he was didn't connect with the country, right? I'm not talking about nominees, right? People th- didn't think Tim Kaine was a good choice, but Hillary wasn't president. I'm talking about the active president. They always kind of want them to switch things up going into their second term. Do you think this is just that? Or do you, or like, do you remember in the past? I, I remember kind of with, with Obama, but I was a little bit young. So, or is this kind of, he's old and because he's still our best candidate by bar none, him and Kamala are the best ticket. You know what I mean? Well, it goes to something I said before uh, to one of my relatives. And what I don't think people understand, and first and foremost, the president is very competent and he's doing an admirable job. But the argument about him not running, the argument about him replacing Kamala, you and I both know that if there was any change, if, if Biden had just, let's say he did 10 times better job, he's doing an amazing job. Let's say he did 10 times better than he's already doing. And he could literally say, I ain't got else to do. I'm going to walk away. Do people not realize the minute you make a change with the president or the vice president of incumbency, it weakens the party in power. Because, because what it's saying is there's a, there's a weakness there. There, you, you, you know, Am I am, am I right that any kind of would you or di, would you agree or disagree that the problem with any of the even if they're well-meaning arguments that you need to replace Kamala or you need to replace Biden wouldn't both of those be a sign of weakness and provide the opposition party an opening uh, an opening that is greater than any kind of opening even if you had can make the argument that Biden is weakened or he's not as strong isn't he way more stronger running or aren't the Democrats stronger with him at the top of the ticket as opposed to having him right off into the sunset and, and making space for someone else? Yeah, no, it, the saying is if it's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. And they have, it's working, it's working. And the only reason you replace somebody, the only reason you replace a cabinet member, the only re- reason you replace, um, uh, a staffer, a chief of staff is when things go wrong, right? This person's messing up. Like how many times did Trump have a different chief of staff every single other week? And we still make fun of it to this day. It was because it was all poorly done, right? And Ronald Klain stepped down after two and a half years. And it was a non-story because he said, all right, I did my job and I'm moving on. It wasn't because he was messing up, right? So as soon as if Kamala gets replaced, she won't. If Biden gets primary, he won't. It's a sign of weakness, one thousand percent, and that's what I think some of the media wants. Is they, as they're talking about Republicans, they want to talk about Democrats, and when they look over there, there's nothing to talk about, and that's what they're frustrated with. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. Some of the Kamala stuff is racial and uh, misogynistic, but a lot of it's just we want something to talk about, and we're going to manufacture it. Exactly. So now that brings us to the big news that ended the week the rapidly growing, rapidly fast, and 
uh, we're going to give a good at least 20 minutes to the the social media wars that have now pitted meta the metaverse facebook instagram and now threads against elon musk uh, i think this should be a free-flowing discussion i've got lots of thoughts but i want to open with your overall initial reaction to the introduction of threads i was i was shocked because we had talked about it last week and it was like it, it's going to release sometime the beta in august and when Elon was throttling the views and the rate limit exceeded. I think Zuckerberg was like, let's go for it. Like, <laughs> he was on a bender and he's just like, just do it. Let's just troll it. And he posted a Spider-Man meme. And look, you can say whatever you want about Zuckerberg. He certainly has this problematic uh, situation, but I don't think he's an idiot. Right. And he's a pretty smart guy. And he got the most downloads in the first 24 hours than any of the other platforms. Um, it took him faster to get to a million than any other platform. And I think a majority of that was us trying to find a Twitter replacement. I'm not giving him credit for threads because there's still problems with threads. Like the fact that I'm seeing people that I'm not following. Like if you just fix that, I think it would blow up even faster. But I think they're, I don't know what they're working on. But anyways, um, I think he saw a vacuum and someone had to fill the vacuum. Spill was gaining popularity. Blue Sky was gaining popularity. Uh, Mastodon, I think, posts kind of hit their shelf life and they were kind of like, they're not Twitter replacements. You know what I mean? Spottable was kind of gaining momentum. I think it was like a top 50 app, which is a big deal. And then Zuckerberg just said, none of these, none of these are actual replacements. And he came out with his threads exist because Elon Musk bought Twitter. If Elon Musk did not buy Twitter, threads would not exist. And that's what's funny to me is because Elon wants to say it's a copycat league. Oh, you literally just copy and pasted Twitter. You just bought Twitter. You act like you're the super genius. I'm talking about Musk, right? He has crashed Twitter. And now I think threads will take over. Now, speaking of threads, the fact that we all signed up for it, not knowing that if you want to delete it, you have to delete your Instagram. I think people regret that. I think people are seeing people on their timeline that they're not following. And I think that has to be fixed. But other than that, John, I believe in my bet is that Threads is the closest competitor to Twitter. And I think if Twitter continues to get downgraded as it is, Threads will eventually take over. Yes, yes. You said a mouthful. And I agree with a lot of what you said. Although here's some things, some points I wanted to make, and and some of them might be true, some of them might just be truly speculative. First and foremost, I think the reason why I think the first wave, and this isn't going to make Elon sleep any better at night. I think the first victims of Threads will not be Twitter, although it's going to cut into Twitter. It's going to be it's going to be all the also rands, right? All the also rands because. Don't you think, like, we we knew this and we talked about this. It's a problem with Mastodon and Spoutable and then Spill was all of us were probably going to have a smaller percentage of the people we follow end up in the same place that we ended up in. Instagram is the best opportunity for me to potentially recreate my Twitter universe. It, it, 
Do we agree on that, right? The, the other ones were never, because it, it was too segmented. I would have friends that were going here, going here, going here, going here. So I think the first damage is going to be to the also ranks. Um, the second piece, and we need to see the data, and I want to, and, and, and although Instagram has responded about the concerns about the leaving the account, they didn't respond how I thought they would or should, so maybe I'm wrong. You do realize, in my opinion, the way I view it, is I don't think of threads as a separate account from Instagram. I think it's a feature for Instagram that's driven by apps. So when people are sitting there saying, well, to delete um, to, 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 to delete threads, you got to delete, because you can delete the app. You would, but you, what I'm saying is to, to go off threads, you have to go off of Instagram. But my belief is that I don't have a separate threads account because if you go ahead, what's the first thing you do? You sign up with what? Your Instagram account. So that's kind of the reason why I believe that, you know, that's why it is the way it is. But that also brings up a second question. I need to know what percentage of my friends on Twitter that do not have Instagram accounts already are on threads. What it seems like is that I'm our, my, my universe is largely connected to my, my, you know, obviously my Instagram friends and my Twitter friends who already have existing Instagram accounts. I've noticed that my Twitter friends who don't have Instagram accounts, they haven't necessarily migrated over as quickly as my friends who have Instagram accounts. Do you have any background insider data on that to, to know? To, first of all, do you get what I'm saying? Is that I wonder, are these really unique signups or are these just a bunch of Instagram users who are now just taking advantage of that feature? And these are Instagram users who wanted an alternative to Twitter. What, what, do you, what is your assessment there? Uh, so many things that you said is true, but it's multifaceted, right? I think a majority of Threads users are Instagram people who just signed up for Threads. Because as you, I see Threads as a tab on Instagram. It happens to be a separate app I have to click, but I just see it as an extension of Instagram. I'm reading um, the CEO of Instagram's response, and he says, you could deactivate Thread, you could delete the app, but it's powered by Instagram. But in the future... We'll, we're looking into a way to delete your thread counts. So they're listening, and I think they'll get to a point where they could separate that, and I don't think I'm concerned. But as you said, I see threads as a tab on the bottom of Instagram. It says home, search, post, reels, messages, threads. That's how I look at it in my mind. Um, I do think the majority of users are people who um, are Instagram users. L look, John, a lot of people just want to be part of the party. There's a lot of people signing up for threads who will never use threads, who don't have Twitter, who don't care, but because everybody's doing it, they want to jump in. So the numbers are inflated in a way because a lot of these users aren't going to be actually on threads. And I don't know about you, but I got my, my account. I got my handle. I wanted to jump on it. And then I started following a couple of people and I haven't opened the app since because I'm still on Twitter and I'm just kind of letting threads go through its little, uh, uh, incubation period, if you will. So I think a lot of people wanted to camp on their handles. This is a thing, John. You know this in your world. I said someone should jump on the bus handle right away just to get just to troll it, right? So I think that a lot of people are joining to reserve their spot, 
and then we'll figure out the rest later. That's what a lot of people did with Mastodon, with Post, with Spottable. They just go there, and if the party ends up there, then they're ready. And I think a lot of people did that. But I also think this, John, Instagram has the infrastructure that all those other apps don't have, and Instagram will survive it. Instagram can survive and keep threads uh, alive, even if it's not lucrative for them. They just want users to come in, and that's their money, is the people. And Spoutable and all those other apps need people to sign up because that's their revenue. Does that make sense? Instagram can hold threads alive until Twitter dies, uh, and then threads can step in. I'm not sure those other apps can do that. Yeah, well, let me give you the experience I had because, as you know, I manage multiple uh, Instagram accounts and multiple Twitter accounts. And so after I set up my initial account, so first of all, here's the one thing that you should understand. Um, there's technically, you talked about maybe we could have sat on Elon's. As long as Elon has an Instagram account, we couldn't really jump on it because you do realize after I signed up and activated my personal Instagram, I went to go ahead, I mean, my own personal uh, threads, I went to go set up the boss's threads. And because she's already in my phone, when I went ahead and I logged out of threads and it said switch accounts, I switched accounts. And even though I had not yet activated, I was, her account was there for me. All I had to do was say, yes, I want it. Same thing with another one of my Instagram accounts. They were already there as available accounts to me. Additionally, and I'm not sure if you've done this feature yet, is you can go in and you can tell it that you want to follow all of the people you follow on Instagram. And you'll see that there's a bunch of friends of yours on Instagram who've not yet activated threads. And what'll happen is you can follow them all. And the minute they activate threads, you get a notice saying you are now following so-and-so because so it goes back to what I'm saying is I would be really fascinated to know, you know, what are the new signups? What's the data on that? But to your point, too, about Mastodon, and, and also don't forget, Twitter's closer to Mastodon than it is closer to Threads from one standpoint. Whether it's Mastodon, Spoutable, Twitter, they are the sole revenue source. Um, right now, um, I don't even think because of the profitability of Facebook and Instagram, I don't think Threads has any kind of pressure. It's just one more potential revenue stream, one more feature to the metaverse. So the pressure on the pressure on Zuckerberg to get a lot of money out of it is not there. And at the end of the day, all it will be is once it starts doing ads, it'll be another revenue stream. But here's here's a better step. Let's just pretend you and I are let's Let's, let's, let's be AT&T Corporation, right? We're already pulling back if we're not completely off of Twitter because we can't trust that. But we're still spending money on uh, Instagram and Facebook and the metaverse. Now, aren't you more likely to say, well, our metaverse budget currently is 1.5 million a year. Now that they've done it, once they start offering advertising on threads, we're going to take that 1.5 million a year and up it to 2 million because we are already in bed. We're already in the metaverse. This is just one more vehicle where right now Elon has made us nervous and skeptical as to whether or not we even want to be in business with Twitter. So Elon has created a situation and you're right about how all the others 
have to rely on. But Zuckerberg probably, I mean, you don't want to ever have something that loses money, but Zuckerberg has the luxury of just saying, I'm going to build up as much market share as possible before I really want to start trying to cash in on this bad boy. Yeah, well, a thousand percent. I also think if it never made money, I think they're fine, right? They just want market share, right? They want they want their foot in the game. And if people are using the app, even if it's costing them money, like a lot of the time Twitter wasn't making money prior to Musk. I don't think it's making money now. I'm just saying um, it was just, I have this thing and I don't know what to do with it. And I think that's Zuckerberg's play here is let's just get market share and we'll figure it out everything kind of on the way, right? Um, I don't see ads. I guess I do see ads on Instagram. Let me stop lying. But um, um, I'm just saying, I think they needed their foot in the door and everything else will come later. I also think, look, Zuckerberg is the one who, who kind of was wanted to fight Elon physically, right? Some of this is, is I don't know how to say it, but some of it is just, it's just mental war, right? Is a chess move to say, I'm going to take over your market and I'm going to do something with it later on. Um, I don't know. John, Twitter is so specific. It works differently than Facebook and Instagram and every other social media app. If Instagram can stay away from making it an Instagram app, I think they're in good shape. But a lot of people I'm talking to are saying it just feels like Instagram in words. And so I think that's kind of Twitter. I don't know. I don't know. It's just so complicated because um, – I don't know what Instagram, what, what threads will look like two weeks from now, two years from now, but I also, we haven't even talked about Twitter and everything that Musk is doing, right? The fact that he is throttling usage and making people, making the app unusable, um, people are going to have to go somewhere, right? We kept saying, is it Mastodon? Is it Post? Is it Spottable? Is it Spill? Is it this? Is it that? And that's still a question, but it will be one of those things one day. And I think Threads ultimately will be it because it has the infrastructure to survive. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be, it'll be fascinating. I do think that this is the most serious threat. I think that um, it was a good start. The challenge that we as users have to, um, I don't want to say be patient. And I don't, I think because it's Zuckerberg, here's the advantage that Spotable and all the other places. A lot of people, because they were new and upstarts, I think a lot of people grant them a lot of grace. I think because Zuckerberg and Instagram and Metaverse are coming out with something new, they 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 don't get as many breaks, right? They've got to have a good experience. I do like the fact that it's simplified. The only thing that I that I don't like, and I may and it's my fault, and this is something to caution. I did do the blanket. I'm going to follow all of my Instagram folks um, on. Uh, and and the reason why it was a mistake is I there's a lot of people I follow on Instagram who I don't really care what they say. Um, I and that, that is just I I like the visuals that they post, I like you know, but I'm not really trying to you know see much from them. So if I had one thing to do over is that I'm following. But here's the other thing: I'm getting a lot of followers who I'm glad are following me who were never part of never part of Twitter. So that's encouraging, right? I'm getting followers. But I wonder also, do we think, you know how people, remember back a few years ago when there was the memes of this, and they had like the same person with different with different uh, tones, like this is my LinkedIn profile, 
this is my Twitter profile, this is my Instagram, this is my Facebook, and it. I do wonder, will will are we going to be carrying our Instagram personalities? I mean, our Twitter personalities over to Threads, or will there end up being a unique Thread personality? You know, for for the person who's got multi, who's on multiple platforms, um, you know, will will the will the Threads personality be the same as the Twitter personality, or will the Threads personality be unique? What what are you, what's your thought there? Oh, that's interesting. I think that's that's fascinating. I think here's what I think. I think the Twitter personality had a baby, and that baby is now sixteen, and that's the thread personality. And the reason I say that is because um, a lot of people. I don't know if you know that. I don't know how much you're on Instagram, but a lot of people use Instagram stories as a makeshift Twitter, where they'll write the. You've seen people post press releases, right? They'll just go to Instagram story. They'll create new, they'll write something and then they'll post it to their story because they don't want to mess up their aesthetic of their Instagram feed. And they'll use story to say something in four or four different stories. And maybe threads takes over that, right? Maybe threads is the way for you to communicate to your Instagram audience without having to post a picture, without having to post a video or whatever. So I think it'll be, a marriage, believe it or not, that's what I, it's Instagram's the dad and Twitter's the mom, and they kind of have this baby. And I ultimately think that's will be the, the thread's personality. But here's a question, and and you know, I'm still getting used to TikTok. Um, but is is there a relationship between Instagram stories and TikTok? I see. I thought there. I thought there. I thought there was a little bit of overlap. There would be the type of stuff that you would be putting on. Um, Instagram storage would be very similar to the type of stuff you would be putting on um, TikTok, especially because a lot of um, Instagram story content is just a repost of something from TikTok, right? So, am I am I correct in that assumption? Or yeah, whatever's on TikTok today will be on Instagram in three days, and that's the general rule. But I will say, you bring up a good point with TikTok, Instagram kind of got a lot of flack for trying to be too much like TikTok and they actually got away from it and they went back to kind of picture based. And I wonder if threads give Instagram something that TikTok doesn't have. TikTok is, you have to post a video. You can't post a picture. You can't post a tweet hypothetically. So you have to post the video on TikTok. Whereas I wonder if threads gives Instagram a little leg up on TikTok to say, Hey, you can come here you can post a video. You can post a picture. You can post a story. Or you could go to Thread and you could post whatever you want you're thinking about. And I wonder if it gives it a leg up on TikTok. I think TikTok owns the market for sure, but I wonder if Instagram is diversified a little bit more in the competition with TikTok. Right, right, right. So it's fascinating. We can go on and on and on. It's probably time that we wind down. So uh, this is I think this is gonna be a fascinating week. Congress will be back in session. Uh, finally Willis gets a grand jury and we don't know what the hell Jack Smith is gonna do. And maybe there'll be some more great uh, Bidenomics news. So for now, this is John signing off. This is Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys. Oh.